Welcome to the Care to Change podcast. We are grateful to have you join us. On today's episode, April will be joined by our Human Resources Coordinator, Danielle Huff, and our counselor, Michelle Alexander, to discuss anxiety in the workplace as part of our mental health in the Workplace series. Thank you for being a part of this conversation as we hope to offer you practical solutions for positive change. Welcome back, everyone. This is April Bordeaux. Thanks so much for joining us. We are in the second week of a series on the topic of mental health in the workplace. And last week, we had an opening discussion with Brittany and Christy, um, two members of our team, talking about how to prevent and um, build strong mental health in the workplace, giving you some practical ways, especially for leaders to take care of themselves. And today we brought in two guests that we could talk about the topic of anxiety in the workforce. And so I have with me today, Michelle Alexander, one of our therapists here. Michelle, welcome back. Thank you. I'm so glad you're here. And Danielle Huff, who is actually our HR coordinator. So she has a different sort of view on anxiety in the workplace or mental health in the workplace. And Danielle, thanks for coming back. You're welcome. Good to be here. Uh, This is fun for us as we do this recording because Danielle is actually remote down in Florida when we're doing this recording. So this is a fun sort of new way that we get to take advantage of technology. So um, what you all don't see is that we see Danielle on a screen and that Michelle and I are together. So this is kind of different from our end. Hopefully from your end, you all don't notice a difference and it's just recording as usual. So Glad that you're all with us. Glad that we can talk about this topic, uh, anxiety in the workforce with one in three people being diagnosed with either anxiety and depression. We know that this is affecting the workforce in some way. So I'd like to start really with Danielle. If you could talk a little bit about how you're hearing, reading, researching, learning about the impact of anxiety in the workforce. And then after we understand that, I want to turn to Michelle and have her talk about what leaders and people in general, employees, employers can do to uh, really mitigate the negative impact of having anxiety in the workplace. So that's our plan for today. Uh, Danielle, you want to kick us off and tell us what do you know about anxiety in the workforce and the impact of anxiety in the workforce? Sure. Yeah. As April mentioned, um, one in three Uh, U.S. employees say that their job has a negative impact on their mental health. Um, And I read a survey on the Society of Human Resource Managers that they did over the last three months, and that's where um, we see that, where people are saying one in three. Um, So it's definitely affecting each one of us. Um, It's affecting our businesses and how the economy runs. Also, I saw an interesting number um, through Gallup, just across the U.S. workforce, it's estimated the cost of the economy is $47.6 billion in lost productivity. Um, wow. That's planned absenteeism, um, just overall general lack of engagement through work. And so um, it's, a, it's a big problem. Um, and if you break that down a little further, uh, I, I also used a calculator to do a company the size of ours care to change and determining how much that could potentially cost us um, in lack of productivity, turnover, healthcare, 
and it's on average about $32,700 a year. Um, so wow. it's definitely affecting um, businesses, individuals. So yeah, it, it's, it's an issue. And so when you say it, that <clears throat> that's the cost to an employer, how does that break down? How would I, as someone who leads Care to Change, how would I see that, that number playing out in, in real time? Yeah, it's, it's basically, um, you know, dealing with turnover. How much is it costing us in healthcare? And if you offer your, if you offer your staff healthcare, what is that doing as far as hospital visits, doctor visits, prescriptions? Is that increasing healthcare? Um, just the lack of productivity. Um, are we getting the work done that we're there to do? And if we're not, is it slowing down the, the company? Are we moving forward? But hopefully that that helps um, understand a little bit about how that that number figures into that. So we would see this in absenteeism, in productivity, in lack of engagement, and in healthcare costs. These are some of the ways that we would be directly or indirectly affected, especially the bottom line. Correct. Yes. What's yes. the longevity of uh, an employee who, because I, I gave the stat one in three people experience or have been diagnosed with anxiety and depression. I think your stat changed it just a little bit. It was one in three say that the job has a negative impact on their mental health. So that's a little different. Mm-hmm. So with one in three people reporting that their job has a negative impact on their mental health and we spend you know, 40 at minimum hours in service, that's a lot of hours a week negatively impacting one in three people. So no wonder we're a a culture walking around with a lot of anxiety. Um, What is something, we, we talked last week about things an employer could do. And Brittany said um, specifically that leaders could model practices that engage um, strengthening of mental health. So taking the breaks and setting the boundaries and modeling what they do for self-care as things that uh, leaders could do. Are there things that Mm -hmm. you see, you know, in your role as HR coordinator and out in the field that you're in that companies in general could do mid-level management, upper level management, in addition to that, you know, modeling self-care, talking about what they're doing with self-care engaging um, in activities or setting a culture so people can take their breaks and take their vacations and set boundaries and that, and that sort of thing. Are there things that you're seeing or have read or researched that make a difference to those, you know, what are the two and three people doing differently than the, than the one? As far as I, as far as my experience um, in throughout my career, what has made a job less stressful is just having a supervisor, a boss who is just open to know, to communication, being okay with having a conversation about, Hey, this is, I need help in this area. Cause sometimes, and we'll probably get to this later on, but some, the anxiety in the workplace, is it a prolonged anxiety in the workplace or is it a single project you're working on? Some, and so sometimes when we figure those things out, we have a supervisor who says, April, you're really great at this. This is something I personally struggle with. What's my priority? And so if I come to you and say, I'm overwhelmed, 
we look at my list and we break it down. And so just having somebody to walk through that, I think is good for a leader to do. Um, and just being open to that and knowing um, that every employee is different. They need different things. And that is hard on a leader. That's a burden that I know that leaders can carry, but I think it makes for a better culture when you're able to, to be able to help individuals where they are. But first you have to both be open to that communication to say, how, where, where are we struggling? Yeah. So two questions, one as a leader, Am I the kind of leader that is encouraging and welcoming of conversations with employees who say, I'm stressed, I need to know what my priorities are. Mm -hmm. And then also as an employee, if you are one in three that, that are reporting or would report that your job has a negative impact on your mental health, are you willing to have the, the conversation with your supervisor in I'm really stressed here. I feel overloaded. I need to understand my priorities. And what I can say is as a leader, those are conversations that I hate using the word should, but should be welcomed. Um, I would much rather have an employee say, I'm overloaded and here's my list of to-dos. Can you help me prioritize? Then them become disgruntled feeling anxious and eventually either burning out or leaving. Right. And so I think sometimes people don't want to have that conversation because they don't want to appear weak or not capable of being able to handle what's been given to them yet for their own mental health, one care for yourself enough to have the conversation, but also it's honoring to the supervisor to say, Hey, I need to tell you something I'm stressed uh, I know for me, when I've had people come to me, that's, it's an honor to be trusted when someone says I'm overloaded and I need prior, I need help with my priorities because uh, I'm going to let something down and I don't want to let that down. That's a really, it's an honoring conversation to have as a leader, to have an employee who trusts enough to do that. But it's also honoring to the employee because we want, you know, we want employees to be able to say, I'm stressed out. I'm feeling anxious at work. I'm feeling whatever it is. Um, and so it's not a sign of weakness or being in, incapable of doing something. It's actually a sign of strength to be able to say, this is my list. It's more than the hours allotted to me. This isn't anything personal. I just need to make sure that I'm meeting the expectation. And that's a really healthy conversation that, um, it's really up for up to leaders to cultivate uh, an environment where employees can have that kind of conversation or feel the freedom really mm -hmm. to even have that conversation. So to the listeners, are you someone that um, sees that as a, a weakness or are you able to say, I'm going to reframe that in, hey, I really want to be successful at this job. And I took this job for whatever reason. And my intent isn't to switch unless, you know, you're at a place where you want to switch careers, right? And people do um, nowadays, like I'm done with this kind of career. I want to change. And that's a different conversation, right? But I came to this organization. I really didn't want to leave, but these are the stresses to have that conversation before burnout or before looking for another job or before having one foot out the door that's honoring to the organization and to the leader itself. So I'm really, I'm really glad that you said that a, um, setting up a, an organization to have that conversation uh, because it's definitely one that's worthwhile. And, and in today's world where the um, 
really there's a lot of demands outside of our work time as well. Demands on families and, you know, really just the structure of what we've said yes to in this culture. Um, it makes work just another thing uh, that someone feels a burden for and leaders can help relieve that burden. So thank you for sharing that. Michelle, let's turn to you a little bit because you're hearing this conversation and you see this from a different view because I know that you see people that are walking the path of anxiety and probably, I know I do as well, that when people come to the office and they're sharing the sources of anxiety, work is often brought up as Mm -hmm. one of the sources that cause some angst, Um, whether it's clinical anxiety or just generalized anxiety, it is often listed. So you're, you're nodding your head. So share what you typically hear, you know, in general, that gives you an idea. Yeah, this is anxiety in the workplace. And how is it that you walk with someone through what to do when they feel anxiety in the workplace? Yeah. So communication was one thing that has kind of already been discussed. And um, I guess before I jump to communication, I think it's important to in the individual coming in, like having self-awareness. So kind of being able to recognize am I feeling anxious? Is work making me anxious? And if so, you know, kind of try to pinpoint what are those specific things that are making you anxious? Um, So is that feeling like your workload is too heavy? Um, Is it that you feel like you can't really communicate with a coworker or your supervisor? You know, so what exactly is it that's causing you the anxiety? Um, And I definitely think in clients that I see, the majority of it is feeling like the workload is too much. I know a lot of clients come in and they're like, yeah, I'm working, you know, technically two different positions because we don't have someone else to do this other position right now. So they're really having double the workload. Um, And so then it just becomes very overwhelming and stressful for them. So jumping back to communication, I definitely think communication is the most important in feeling like you can communicate to your supervisor, like, hey, I am feeling overwhelmed. Um, What are some ways that we could work together to try to mitigate the workload or, you know, are there some tasks that we could pass on to someone else? Um, so when working with individuals too, just how do I know that it's anxiety? How do I know that it's really affecting me? I think when you start to notice like your stress and anxiety about work bleeding into more of like your personal life and it's coming into your family or friendships or, you know, being at church or even out in the grocery store or restaurants, um, noticing that your mood about work is starting to affect those other areas of life. Um, I think that that's important to also recognize because that's just a sign that says, hey, yeah, I think that work is a little too much and I need to kind of take some action steps um, to try to help that. I love that you you give that indicator, you know, if you see that it's affecting other areas of life, mm-hmm. um, that the drive home isn't enough to decompress. Right. And so <laughs> taking that stress into the house. And so uh, I know I've experienced it before, been guilty of you know, walking in and the kids need something and it's like, blah, and Mm -hmm. they are on the receiving end of what I was holding all day versus just finding that space between leaving the office and getting home where I can decompress Mm -hmm. and sort of metaphorically leave that at the office so that when I walk in, I can be present with them. And so when it starts to bleed over, it's one thing to have it one day, but you know, over time, it's like, okay, this is becoming a lot of my life and a lot of my emotional energy and it's creating an unhealthy balance, which can easily lead to 
anxiety. I know I didn't ask you to talk about this, but I do want to just mention it. Um, <clears throat> what's the difference between, you know, having too much of a workload and finding value in success, right? Mm -hmm. uh, because there's one thing functionally speaking when, okay, these are my tasks. There's another when someone struggles with perfectionism mm -hmm. or um, finding value in what it is that they do. And so they tend to take on too much. How do you know when it truly is like just a functional issue versus maybe a, an underlying sort of maybe, you know, believing a lie or mm -hmm. sort of walking an unhealthy mindset? How, mm -hmm. how can you delineate between the two? That's a good question. Um, hmm. I think kind of just the overall, um, and I'll even use myself in this example. I was in a previous profession before I was the therapist and waking up every morning and just kind of experiencing that dread of like, oh my gosh, I have to go to this. I have to go to work today. I have to go do this job. So when you're waking up and realizing that it's something that you're not enjoying, I think that that is kind of more of the anxiety with maybe feeling like you are taking on too much. Um, I think more of the perfectionism is when, okay, you're working on these specific tasks for your job and it's kind of only affecting you in the sense of like feeling like you are not good enough um, or, you know, there's more that you could do. It could be better. Um, and feedback, I think, could play into that, too. So if you have positive feedback coming from your supervisor or coworkers, that's that positive feedback. But yet you're like, well, this could have been better. I feel like maybe that's kind of more of where the perfectionism comes into play. Nice. Nice. That's a that's a really good, mm -hmm. good difference. Whether I, I know I've heard men especially talk about the fear of losing their jobs. Mm -hmm. And so working extra or saying yes or accepting too much. And the root of that isn't a boss that's demanding too much. It's yeah. if I don't do these things, the, mm -hmm. the end result could be, what if I lose my job? And then what about, what's that mean for me? What's that mean for my family? What does that mean? Mm -hmm. Et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, well, the root isn't really the job itself. Right. It's whether or not you trust in having a job or, mm -hmm. you know, if you have faith that God will get you another job if you lost your job or whatever right. it is. Right. And so it's a different sort of route, right? And mm -hmm. it's easy to, to cast the stone into the work pot, right? And just be like, it's because my boss is expecting so much, is it? Or is it that perfectionism is creeping in or right. mistrust is creeping in or I, my value is found in what my review is going to say or whether or not I get a raise or Right. And that's a, that's a completely different path to walk through when someone comes in. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like, yep. okay. Cause one workload stress is a conversation with your supervisor. Yes. Um, finding personal value or perfectionism is a conversation with yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. So how, how we go about answering the call of that anxiety uh, might be different based on where that's coming from. Right. And so listeners kind of paying attention to, is that something someone else is putting on or is that something we are taking on uh, mm -hmm. would make a difference so um so what is someone to do what what's someone supposed to do if they notice yeah it's bleeding into my life it's definitely mm -hmm. i'm i'm carrying it over what's what what are some steps that someone can take yeah so i think the biggest one is just recognizing that it is bleeding into those other areas of life and so taking a step back and just asking yourself, okay, what are some work tasks or, you know, 
yeah, we'll stick with work tasks. What are some work tasks that I could maybe take off of my plate um, to make work feel a little bit less stressful and a little more manageable? Um, But then individually looking at, okay, let's work on, you know, self-esteem and self-worth of where do I find my worth? Do I find my worth in, right, completing a work task to perfection? Or do I find my worth, worth in spending, you know, two extra hours at work every day. Um, and so really looking like, where do you find your identity? Is your identity in work or is your identity in Christ? Um, and so just kind of working through that with a client, I would say is probably the most, um, important step to take. What resources would the two of you recommend for both employers and, employees if this is something that someone wants to learn more about? First, I would just recommend that the um, employers, they could go to, I've got the links for the different um, surveys and um, information that I've shared today. They've got great articles on the Society of Human Resource Management um, website and um, just the Gallup poll and then the National Safety um, Center.org would be a great place to just start um, just getting information as an employer. Awesome. So we'll include that in the show notes. Yeah. So I found a resource online. It's from verywellmind.com. Um, and it's titled How to Deal with Anxiety at Work. So it kind of gives you some realistic um, ways to deal with your anxiety at work. And that's anything from, you know, coping with, which is not something that we've touched on yet, but kind of coping with somatic symptoms that you might be experiencing. So feeling that heart racing or sweaty palms or feeling nauseous or getting a headache. Um, So just some coping coping skills that you can use, um, you know, that might be just kind of taking a five-minute break from what you're doing at work and doing some deep breathing or guided meditation. Um, So it just gives some good good coping strategies as well as kind of how to maybe approach it with your supervisor as well. There's also another one, if you're a ministry leader, called Preventing Ministry Failure, and it really walks through the different reasons why uh, ministries fail. It's written for the faith community, although a lot of it is transferable to the non-faith community, but it really walks through the pitfalls and the reason why so many ministries fail and what a leader can do so that um, there isn't just organizational failure, but personal failure as well. So that would be one that we can include in the show notes as well. All right, you two, thank you so much. As always, I'm so glad to have a a little bit different perspective, one from an HR person and then one from a therapist. It's it's a conversation that's real and affects, like I said, one in three people who are diagnosed, but also now knowing one in three people who say that work is a, a big reason or, or cause or at least factor in feeling anxiety. So if this is something that you're struggling with, I really want to encourage you to not struggle alone, to reach out. Um, If you've had the conversations with your supervisor and things just aren't changing, really taking a hard look at what does that mean for you? And if, um, you know, you're like, I just am not sure what I can do. I'm not sure if I'm in a place, but I do know it's negatively affecting me. Give us a call. Uh, It doesn't mean that you are going to be in in therapy for years and years. It just means, hey, I got to walk through this transition. I'm making a hard decision in my life and I need someone that's a neutral party in the matter to have a conversation with. We certainly have this conversation quite, quite often with, with people. So join us next week. We're going to continue our conversation about mental health in the workplace. We're going to be talking about how to reduce stress at work. So it's a little bit different spin. 
all of us being human, any human who has ever worked a day in their lives has felt stress from work or at work or around work in some place. I've never met a human who hasn't at some point thought this is stressful, whether it's a project or a person or a season, we all experience it. The question is, what do we do when we experience it? And how do we know um, what's most helpful to us so that we can not just get to work and get a paycheck, but actually enjoy work. And, and so join us next week as we continue the conversation. If you like what you're hearing, I encourage you to share this and like it and follow and all the things that, uh, that we encourage you to do. And we're so glad that you've chosen to spend this time with us. So we'll see you again next week. Thank you again for joining us for this episode of the Care to Change podcast, where we offer you practical solutions for positive change. Check out the show notes below to see resources mentioned in today's episode. You can follow us on social media, including Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, LinkedIn, and YouTube to hear more about our conversation topics. If you have any questions from this episode or would like to hear more, please reach out to us on our care line at 317-979-7133 or email us at help at caretochange.org. We hope you found this episode helpful and invite you to join us for more of our podcast conversations.